You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. the hell happened honest to goodness what the hell happened we we hired tony larusa my name is chris lanuti sit down at my nine foot homemade oak bar here in my basement on the south side of chicago as we sit down and talk about one of the more befuddling and yet not befuddling moves if you followed this team your entire life the white Sox hiring 76 year old manager Tony LaRusso. And you shouldn't be too surprised by it. I mean, I've been trying to think about this. Like, I, I've been trying to be rational. And first off, let me tell you, this all brought to you by the fine folks over at Family Waterproofing Solutions. Family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned. Really good folks over there at Family Waterproofing Solutions. FAMWS.com. All right, let's talk about this because I don't, I've been trying to wrap my head around it. Dave isn't here today. He's so upset he called me up on the phone. And he said he doesn't know if he could ever talk about the White Sox again. Now, that's an overreaction, but that's how Dave is. you listen to the show before you know it. My friend Dave, 40 years, he can't handle this. He's very, very upset. And I get how he's upset, and I get why White Sox fans are upset, and I understood the vitriol and the anger and everything that you heard on White Sox Twitter and across social media and on the radio pretty much anywhere that fans can express their anger, I hear it. But I want to start off right away by saying that Tony La Russa is not the worst managerial hire possible. In fact, we did a poll on Twitter where we asked people why they were angry. 1% of the poll said it was because Tony La Russa was a bad manager. 1%. In reality, I don't think White Sox fans, most rational White Sox fans, are upset about Tony La Russa as a manager. The man has probably forgotten more about baseball than most in the game know right now. And that's fine. What White Sox fans are upset about is that the people that created this rebuild, when you didn't believe a rebuild was going to happen, uh, those in the front office, Rick Hahn, basically, Rick Hahn being put in charge, even though we had Kenny overlooking him, even though we had Jerry sitting around, we had to go to for approval for things. He came up with a plan to rebuild the team. And we suffered for several years of bad teams as this team built itself back up from nothing, traded away stars like Chris sale and built itself back up from nothing. And then this year we got a taste in a shortened season of what was possible. And then they did the unexpected move. They fired Ricky Renteria. Now, first off, I wonder what Rick Hahn feels about his decision to get rid of Renteria now. I wonder if he could go back and do it all over again if he would have said, I'm going to give Ricky one more year to see if I can get through to him on what I want because that was his guy and Tony La Russa's not. I'm sure that's the first thing he thought of when he realized there was no way he could change the old man's mind was that, man, if I would have just kept Ricky, at least I would have had my name on this team because it's not his team anymore. 
the old man walked in and said, nope, still my team. I pay the bills. I bought it for $19 million. It's worth a half a billion now. And it's still my team. I think why White Sox fans are upset is because every single fear that you had about how the front office works, even though over the last couple of years, you started to believe that wasn't true and that things were different and that maybe you had overreacted and that maybe it was just us screwing around. And listen to our last show. Go back and listen to it. Me making fun of what I thought the interview would be like between Rick Hahn and Tony LaRussa with Jerry Reinsdorf interfering the whole way. And at the end of it, we were laughing like, that can't be true. No, it was much worse than that. He didn't even get that opportunity. He was just told this is your manager. And Tony LaRussa says it in his first comments as White Sox manager. He's asked a question and he tells you flat out. He had multiple discussions with Rick and Kenny after Jerry had started the process. These are two old friends. One wanted his buddy to be the manager and the other one wanted to manage and was only going to come back in the perfect situation. And he got it. He got his old buddy who's going to let him do whatever he wants to do. And he got the youngest, most talented team in baseball. He got a team being picked by many to win the American League crown, to go to the World Series in 2021. He gets a Cadillac handed to him. A can't-miss opportunity for Tony La Russa to come back one more time and show all you young folks out there that he knows what he's doing. And his way is the best way. And he's got an owner that can't wait to stand next to him smoking a cigar and tell everybody, you see, I was right. And I don't think hiring Tony La Russa means you're not winning a World Series this decade. In fact, I think you're going to win a World Series this decade. Tony La is not going to cause you negative wins, I think, in the, in the win-loss column. We did the Ricks factor, and we tried to figure out how many, how many games Rick Hahn and how many games Ricky Renteria cost you in the season. And then we realized Hahn had really only cost you a couple with not moving guys up right away, and it was really Renteria. Renteria was several games under. He was like a negative two or negative three, I believe, on the season we came up with in terms of like his wins above replacement managers. If a guy just sat there and filled out the card and didn't do very much. Tony La is not going to be a negative. At worst, Tony La is just even. And at even, this is a 95-win team. With just a manager going out there and making regular managerial moves, this is a 95-win team. This is a team that was already on pace for over 90 wins if they had a full season. Tony La Russa wouldn't let this team fall apart in the last week of the season like Rick Renteria. Tony La Russa probably would have been able to get this team again, uh, through against the Oakland A's. So I don't doubt Tony La Russa's ability as a manager. And I don't doubt that the White Sox can still win a World Series. But I'll tell you right now, I also don't doubt everything I always thought about this team is true. This is, a, this is an owner that got a team. And although he spent some money, eventually his vice chairman was pushed out. This is an owner that led the charge for the 1994 player strike or owner's lockout, or combination of whatever it was. He was the guy on the owner's side that was sitting there saying that there wouldn't be baseball till 1996 and was perfectly ready to do so. He doesn't care about the game. He doesn't care about the fans. Jerry Reinsdorf cares 
about Jerry Reinsdorf. He owns the team. He can do whatever he wants to. This is the guy who orchestrated the white flag trade in 1997. This, this is the guy that told all White Sox fans, screw you, I'm taking my team to Florida. I remember as a little kid walking around the neighborhood, Ashburn neighborhood, St. Dennis Parish, south side of Chicago, with a petition to save my team. I did this. I gathered signatures for two weeks. I wrote a petition. As a little kid, I don't know, I can't remember how old I was. I was born in 77, so I think he wanted to move the team in what, 87, somewhere around there? So I'm 10 years old walking around getting signatures to save my baseball team, crying because I think that they're going to take them away from me. The White Sox were going to go to Florida. How absurd. They read it in the U.S. House of Representatives, the letter, and entered it on the record as one of their reasons when they were arguing for giving Jerry money to keep the team in Chicago. A 10-year-old Chris Lanuti is the reason this man is still sitting here on the south side of Chicago, or one of them, one of the many. I contributed to this madness, and I'm sorry. I always root for the White Sox because they're my team. I don't root for Jerry Reinsdorf. I can't wait till there's a new owner. But what happened here was amazing to me because you have so many glad-handing yes-men walking around inside the White Sox organization that have defended Jerry Reinsdorf as the greatest owner, the greatest guy, got a job for life. He's loyal, loyalty. How much loyalty do you think Rick Hahn feels like he has right now? Because Rick Hahn just found out that he's not as important as Tony LaRusso. He's not as important as a manager that was fired in the mid-80s. Everything he did was not as important because Jerry considers him to not be as important of a person in his life as Tony LaRusso. How do you think Kenny feels? Kenny Williams has walked around and carried the water of Jerry Reinsdorf, his entire career with the White Sox. Meanwhile, Jerry Reinsdorf has refused to let him interview for other jobs and now just brought in a guy, Antonio LaRusso, who didn't really get along with Kenny in the 80s. Guess what, Kenny? You don't matter either. In fact, all these people in this front office who walked around constantly, who picked on my podcast, mine and Dave's podcast, who picked on Socks in the Basement, found out this week for all the things that they've done, they're not as important as Tony LaRusso. And they're not as important as what makes Jerry happy. Socks in the Basement listeners have a new Southside hangout to watch every game this postseason. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge at 7000 West Southwest Highway. Jack's Place is a small, clean sports bar with a flat screen everywhere you look. Plus, their private video gaming room is away from the cheers of those watching the game. And with the cleanest bathrooms in town, they are a great date night spot. And now Jack's Place is teaming up with John Natanik and Country Insurance for teacher appreciation days, union member specials, and police and fire Fridays. Follow them both on Facebook for dates and details. Plus, give John a call now at Country Insurance, 708-289-9935 for your home, auto, or life insurance needs. Plus, a free Dunkin' Donuts gift card given out to you. And all you have to do is text him right now. Use that number, let him quote you, no strings attached, 708-289-9935. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge and John Natanik at Country Insurance. They have you covered, Sox fans. A couple years ago, Sox in the Basement went to Sox Fest. 
I've never told the full story of this, but I think it really kind of puts the organization like right there. Like this is what it is. We showed up. We're a grassroots thing. A couple of buddies sitting down on a nine foot homemade oak bar. We're over at the Hilton before they moved it to McCormick Center. It's the last year there. And I've got the socks in the basement trucker hats. And I started handing them out. Ed Farmer took one. Darren Jackson took one. Lucas Giolito took one. Tim Anderson took one. Daniel Polka wore it on Chuck Garfine's podcast. He got into a lot of trouble for that, folks. A lot. And they were all over SoxFest. I was told by people who I knew in and around the organization, they were yelling about them up in Jerry's suite. Angry that somebody just spent a little bit of money on his podcast and gave out free stuff that was better than the free stuff the White Sox were giving out. They were confiscating the hats off of players. So I'm sitting in Kitty O'Shea's in the Hilton, and I'm having a couple of beers, and I'm giving away the hats on Twitter, and I'm like, come find me in there. Now, Kitty O'Shea's is not inside the exhibition hall. And I used to do security downtown at hotels all the time, and the bars generally are owned by somebody separate from the hotel. I don't know what the arrangement is at Kitty O'Shea's, but I know this. There were no events going on that the White Sox were doing in Kitty O'Shea's. And the manager of Kitty O'Shea's asked me about the hats, and I told him, and they made a couple of phone calls, and Kitty O'Shea's comes to me and goes, we would like you guys to do a podcast here. Could you do it? I go, I don't have any of my equipment. We'll do it tomorrow night. This is on Friday. We'll do it tomorrow night. Sox in the basement. You guys can do a podcast here. Kitty O'Shea's has asked me to do it. I'm like, all right, cool. Call my wife. She packs up all the podcast equipment. Call Dave. We're in a, they're, they're walking me around Kitty O'Shea, showing me where I'm going to do it. They're like, do you want to do it on the stage? I'm like, yeah, we can do it on the stage. We can actually put the microphones on the bar because that's what we do. And for about two, two and a half hours, we're promoting it on social media. I've got the 108 guys. They're going to bring folks over and they're going to be on the show. I've got Clinton Cole from Future Socks and James Fox from Future Sox, lining up White Sox prospects, some of which are on the team right now, that are in the hotel that are going to come down. We work on this thing for a couple hours. It just came out of the blue, right? And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call that says it's not happening. Then I get an angry phone call from somebody inside the White Sox organization that I should have asked the team permission. I go, but you guys aren't in Kitty O'Shea's. You guys are, you guys are down there. You're in the Hilton. Doesn't matter. You know, we didn't get a guest for a long time, and we probably won't get a guest ever again after I tell this story, but this is how things work inside of there. Jerry Reinsdorf was mad at a little podcast for handing out some hats. And I have no doubt that, it, I, I mean, I can't believe that a guy that's worth that much money gives a crap about these little guys on this show. But ever since then, I've asked other people around the organization who on the condition of anonymity have told me, don't tell anybody you talk to me, but he don't like you. And he doesn't like us because we speak the truth about what he does. And in the end, I don't care. It's his team. It's his money. Do whatever you want to with it. I don't know why you don't want fans to celebrate your team. Seems counterproductive. A bunch of guys at a podcast want to hang out with a bunch of other guys on a pod, you know, and, and talk White Sox baseball after hours when, you're, when your thing is over for the night. But that seriously bothered you so much you squashed it and carry some sort of vendetta against two guys in their basement on the south side of Chicago that have no bearing on your team and whatsoever. We started this thing just because of the fact that we like the White Sox. 
And we'll still like the White Sox long after you're dead and somebody else is in charge of the team. That's the other thing that he hates, I hear. Every time I mention that one day he's going to die, it really ticks off Jerry. But back to this move, this shows that all those glad handers, all those people that go out there and defend Jerry, every time that Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams has tried to tell you what a wonderful man he is, how do you think they feel about him today when they realize that he doesn't care about them? It's like an abusive relationship. It's, it's almost as if Rick Hahn right now, I mean, I, I saw somebody on Twitter said it looks like a hostage video during this press conference with Hahn. He looks browbeaten, just like he did after the Manny Machado thing, where the team tried to tell you that they gave the best offer, but in reality, Jerry cheaped out, wouldn't guarantee the same amount of money as the Padres and Machado went elsewhere. But everybody spun it, except for Han. Han never spun it because he felt betrayed. Han feels even more betrayed now, and everybody goes, well, he's going to quit. I don't think he's going to quit. I think Rick Han is in an abusive relationship. He keeps thinking Jerry's going to stop. Jerry's going to stop hurting him one day. It'll all pay off in the end. It's never going to stop, Rick, because everything you did over these years didn't matter because the owner, and rightfully so, he's the owner, decided he wanted to have his friend in. Now, here's the real problem. George Steinbrenner used to do that, but George, George Steinbrenner would back it up with money. He would actually go, I'm going to spend a ton of money and I'm going to make sure everybody knows I was right. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't care if you think he's right. See, that's the thing. Steinbrenner was the kind of owner that wanted to prove to everybody that he was right. He had this, this sense of pride, this sense of like, I, I, I'm not going to, to look like a fool. He cared about the opinions of others. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't care about your opinion. He doesn't care about my opinion. Jerry Reinsdorf is a millionaire to billionaire who in the end doesn't really care about anybody except for Jerry Reinsdorf. Cares about his friends, cares about proving what he needs to prove to himself. He needs to right the wrong of getting rid of Tony LaRusso. Look forward to Hawk Harrelson getting to be the general manager again someday. Whoever else he needs to right the wrongs of. It, it, it's incredible to me, and I think the thing is, is that I think that's why White Sox fans are upset. Like I said, look, Tony LaRusso is a good manager. Everybody's like, well, he's too old. He, he's not going to connect with the players. Nah, he probably won't. He probably won't. He also has the ability just like a, a Phil Jackson or if a Bill Belichick retired and then came back where he could come out there and lay out all of his World Series rings in front of people and be like, hey, look at me. You have any of these? You have to listen to me. I mean, there'll be an insane amount of accountability on that team. You won't be able to dog anything. He ain't going to care what your draft pick was. He won't. He's not going to care if you're a friend of Jerry. In fact, everybody who has sucked up the Jerry Reinsdorf at this point now has to start sucking up the Tony La because I don't think Jerry Reinsdorf is going to blink an eye when Tony La Russa wraps on the door and goes, this guy's got to go. I don't think Tony La Russa is going to get any resistance whatsoever to whatever he wants to do. This is Tony's team now. Rick built it. It's Tony's team. There are some positives to the idea that there will be one guy who's making all the decisions now. This isn't going to be a collective. You think Tony La Russa is going to let it be a collective? You think he's going to sit down and let two guys at the end of the table and one general manager over here and five other people over here tell him what he should do and he's going to take all their ideas? And figure, that's one guy. For better or for worse, it's one guy. That was one of the things that was kind of a problem for the team. 
So in the end, there, there are going to be positives. You got to try to, to draw on the positives as angry as you are. But how can you be angry for too long here? What happened, happened. It, it, it's, it's clearly Jerry Reinsdorf's team. This is how the team is run. It can never be questioned again. It can never be questioned again that the White Sox are an organization run by a guy who cares about himself, whatever he wants goes, because he spent the money, he earned the money, he he businessed himself into the position that he's in, he worked with uh, with the commissioners, he helped force out Faye Vincent so his buddy Bud Seeley could get in there, he made sure Harold Baines got into the Hall of Fame because he loved them so much, even though he didn't make it to 3,000 hits, by stacking a group of people that elected him, and I still think Harold's a Hall of Famer, but don't think that Jerry Reinsdorf didn't have his hands all over that. He's clearly the lone vote most of the times whenever all the owners have to get together and vote on something. He leads the charges to, to keep salary caps in place and, and, and there's lockouts because of it. This is what Jerry Reinsdorf is. He happens to be the owner of our favorite team. I can't leave the team that I have. I, I'm fortunate that I feel like at the age of 43 years old, I'm going to outlast him. I don't know. Maybe I won't. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. And I, and I also feel like we have such a good team put together, it's almost impossible not to win a couple of pennants in a World Series this decade. You really have to screw up to do that. All right. I, I, I'm trying to put in perspective to myself. Okay. I didn't think the White Sox could win a World Series with Rick Renteria, but I felt like the White Sox were going to stick with him through 2021. So if I go back to a week before the season ended, I did not see a World Series in 2021 as any kind of possibility. It's some sort of a possibility with Tony La Russa. I don't think Rick Hahn believes that because in his own comments during his press conference, he didn't say, I believe that Tony La Russa will get us there. He said, there are those that believe that. He always chooses his words carefully. Rick Hahn's a beaten man right now. The only thing that's going to be interesting is whether or not Rick Hahn now says, well, this is the hand I've been dealt, and now I'm going to go out and do something with it. What moves is he going to make to make sure that Tony can't fail? What moves is he going to make in the offseason? You know, at this point, Rick needs to use this discourse, this anger. He needs to make sure the old man knows it. He needs to know, he, Reinstorf needs to feel like there's so much anger, it's going to affect his wallet with ticket sales. So we need to make a couple of free agent splashes. I mean, right now, it looks like four to five qualifying offers will be offered before free agency. Four to five. That's like the lowest ever, right? Have you ever heard of anything so absurd? Brad Hand's $10 million option. 
was put out on waivers and nobody wanted to give a guy with a 0.77 whip and 16 saves in a shortened season who's been one of the best closers in the game over the last three, four, five years, $10 million. Every team had a chance, including the White Sox. I mean, Alex Colome is not getting, he, he's, he's not getting any offer from the White Sox. He's hitting free agency. And I don't know if the White Sox will pay him that amount of money. But right now, you could spend a little bit of money and you could build a super team because most of baseball is tightening up their wallets. You could build a super team and have that place packed. It all depends on whether or not you're an optimist and whether or not you could convince Jerry Reinsdorf of that fact. Jerry, there's money to be made with these investments. If you don't make these investments, people are just going to stay away out of spite. Now, Jerry doesn't care about your feelings, but he is going to care about his bottom line. So it depends on whether or not Rick Hahn can convince him of this. It depends on whether or not he can, Rick Hahn can convince Tony LaRussa that he needs these pieces. So LaRussa goes in and says, Jerry, I need these pieces. Like if Rick handles things correctly from this point forward, he makes sure Tony LaRussa is on his side for any kind of move he wants to go and make. He sits down and goes, you need this and you need this, but I need you to go talk to your friend in the front office and tell him that. It all depends on how Rick Hahn handles it going forward. He's not really the general manager. He's not really the vice president. I mean, he's not really in charge. He's got a voice. He's got a very strong voice in the room, and he's been allowed to drive the car for a while here. But when things got good, the old man said, wow, look at this. I got a good team. I better jump back in there. It's like Jerry Jones of the Cowboys. Jerry Jones of the Cowboys tries to run everything. He thought that he could have any coach be the coach of the Cowboys, and they would always be good. Turns out Jimmy Johnson was important. Jerry Jones, who knows? He might knock on Jimmy Johnson's door every once in a while and ask him to come back. I don't know. But that's the kind of owner we have. We have a Jerry Jones. We have a Steinbrenner who's cheap and doesn't have the same kind of like pride to prove you wrong. But these owners exist in professional sports. We have one of these owners. The only good news is that reports have always been that he's actually said it himself. When I die, I've told my, my son to keep the Bulls, sell the White Sox. All right, so it'll be interesting to see what happens after that. Man, maybe we can get the guy, maybe we can find a guy like that Cohen who just bought the, uh, the Mets with all that money. They're going to be a powerhouse very quickly. You know that drove Reinstorf insane. He'll be the one owner that doesn't listen to any of the other owners and just spends his own money to build a super team in this offseason. You watch. He'll drive up free agency prices to the ire of Jerry Reinstorf. And a few select owners that just want to keep everything as, as tamped down as humanly possible. But it's business. That's how business works. In the end, though, this show is rooting for Tony LaRusso. I sent a tweet to Tony. I said, hey, rooting for you. And I, I want Tony LaRusso to do well. But I also know that everything now that I have heard about the White Sox internally is not just talk. And I know there was strife going into the decision because I was told a day before Tony LaRusso was signed by a very reliable source who spoke with a very close friend of Jerry Reinsdorf that Tony LaRusso was the manager and it was going to be announced that day. It took a whole other 24 hours. There might have been some strife inside that place. The Jeff Passan article that talks about how there's, there's people that are angry inside, I guarantee you, that Rick Hahn was doing everything he could to change the old man's mind 
and push that. That announcement took an extra day because he was doing everything he could. Eventually, he just lost. That is not his manager. But now he's got to do the best he can with it, or he quits. He could quit. There's jobs that are available in Major League Baseball. He's going to hate watching the team that he built win, though, with La Russa. And so that, 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 see, there's a guy with personal pride. He wants some credit for what he did. So now he's got to go back to the drawing board and go, okay, I got stuck with this guy. Because in the end, unless you're the owner of the business, there's always somebody above you. And just because the guy owns the business and he's successful financially doesn't make he mean he always makes the right decisions. And Jerry Rangsdorf's had this team now for nearly 40 years. He has one American League pennant that had a World Series and went with it with the 13th highest payroll in baseball. A team that caught fire with a lot of guys having career years that had a magical season and won. He's got 38 other seasons where he didn't win a World Series. He gets credit for Michael Jordan winning him six titles. But he wouldn't have any titles as the Bulls owner if Sam Bowie wasn't drafted in front of uh, Michael Jordan. And Jordan didn't fall to him. He gets all this credit for being a successful owner. He's really not. He's a rich guy who just makes decisions based upon what makes him happy. He's got a toy. You know, you, you got guys in your fantasy football league and your fantasy baseball leagues that sit around and they, they make weird decisions. I got a guy in one fantasy football league. He only drafts his favorite players. He never wins. He sucks at it, but he's so happy. He's so happy about that. He drafted Sammy Watkins, I think, like five years in a row as his number one overall pick. You know anything about fantasy football, you know what I'm talking about. Just because he loves Sammy. He never won anything. He never made the playoffs. He's just happy. That's what Jerry Reinsdorf is. Jerry Reinsdorf's just happy. If at the end of the year, he made some money, he gets to stroll around his ballpark. People who love him tell him, how are you, Jerry? He gets to put his friends in place. He's happy. He doesn't care if he wins any titles. He doesn't. He might tell you he cares about it, but he, in the end, if he really cared about it, he wouldn't make moves like this. He would have trusted his baseball people and let them make a move. It's not what he did. Or, or he really does want to win, and he eventually goes, well, I own the team, and what I believe is more important than what the guys are that I pay to come up with these decisions because I'm smarter than them. Either way, that's what Jerry Reinsdorf is. This is your owner until he dies. All right? He's getting on an age. He could also live like Virginia McCaskey for a long time. We have no idea. So until then, what are you going to do? You're going to quit. You're going to quit watching the team. You can't, you can't quit watching the team, but now you know that all these criticisms about the team and all these things that we say on this podcast are real. You know, I mean, there'll always be the fans that'll sit there and tell you like, Oh no, no, the, the, this is the best move ever. And my, my uncle's super excited about this. Tony La Russa. So happy about Tony La Russa. Thinks it's a great idea. Okay. He's in his seventies and he thinks it's a great idea. Old guys are happy about this move. Old guys love this move. That's fine. Old guys love the move. My dad didn't like the move because of what happened with how Han was overstepped. But he'll sit, he sits there and he goes, well, you know, nobody's going to talk back to Tony, you know? So there's going to be sections of this fan base that are like, I'm fine with this move. I'm okay with it. He's the owner. He can do whatever he wants to. I think the only people that are upset about this are people that thought that something had changed analytical people have lost their minds. Um, 
I don't think the bat flip thing is going to be an issue before we get out of here. That's the one thing I want to make sure I mention before we get done. I don't think the bat flips are going to be an issue. Albert Pujols pimped out an awful lot of home runs when Tony La Russa was the manager of the Cardinals. All right. The man speaks fluent Spanish. I think he's going to get along really well with the Latin players on his team. Um, and I, I, I think that there are some people that, you know, look at the, okay, well, he had a DUI. Trust me, as a person that worked in a 911 center and actually heard some poor girl die on LaGrange Road one time because she got hit by a drunk driver in the middle of the night and got ejected from her vehicle and had time to call me beforehand. I don't like I don't like DUI people. All right. I know how horrible it is. But I also have a couple of friends that have made a mistake one night and gotten a DUI. I didn't stop talking to them. You hope that they learn from what they did. You know, he doesn't like Colin Kaepernick kneeling in 2016. I don't know. I wasn't a fan of it in 2016. My my emotions and my feelings on it have changed a little bit. Maybe his have too. I don't know. You know, maybe he grew. I, I think all those arguments are bad arguments against Tony La Russa. I think that Tony La Russa could still come in and be a good manager. I, I really do. I just hate the decision because I think that there were other options out there. I just hate the decision because I'm afraid that his bench coach is going to be somebody like A.J. Pierzynski or one of the other White Sox former players that are going to be groomed so that we can continue with these insular hires. Because as much as Rick Hahn says this isn't an insular hire, it is. It's somebody who is part of the White Sox family. It's somebody that's friends with the owner, and he is now managing the team. It's as insular as Robin Ventura. Okay? It, it, it is the, it's the same thing. So we know what we got. We know how it went down. We know who the owner is. We know what the organization is. We know how they operate. It is what it is. There's nothing else you can do about it. This is your White Sox. You either have to accept it or, I don't know, start watching something else. Pick another team, I guess. I'm, I'm not picking a different team, but we now move into an offseason where Larry Garcia got his, uh, got his option picked up. We thought that he was going to get his option picked up. Edwin Encarnacion, Gio Gonzalez, not so lucky. They're free agents. So far, everything else that we've talked about was going to happen in the offseason has happened. We've got tenders and non-tenders coming up. We've got free agency beginning. The, the Sox aren't dead. They're not going to show up on opening day with a bad team. They're going to show up on opening day with a Hall of Fame manager and a really good team, and we're going to have some really interesting stories, I think, throughout the year as these young guys get used to this old guy who's running the team. But in the end, this is no longer Rick Hahn's team. Rick Hahn built the team. He has now been relegated to working with Tony LaRussa on Tony's team, which is owned by Jerry, who cannot wait to hoist a trophy. And I think he's going to get to hoist a trophy. And I think he's going to tell everybody I told you so. I don't know if he's going to get as many trophies with this move. I don't know. But they still have something there. So be angry, be disappointed, be hurt. But trust me, there is no way you're as angry, disappointed, and hurt as those in the White Sox organization who have kissed Jerry Reinsdorf's backside for years and found out they weren't as important as one of his baseball buddies that he hangs out at conferences with that he fired in the mid-80s. You're a tier or two below that guy, and he's running the show now. This is Sox in the Basement. 
We will be back on Wednesday. I will try to drag Dave in here to get his thoughts, uh, but we're also going to be moving forward because there's an awful lot to talk about this team. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.